Welcome to The Long Run. This is a podcast for biotech adventurers. I'm your host, Luke Timmerman. Today's guest is Christian Henry. Christian is the CEO of Menlo Park, California-based PacBio. It makes DNA sequencing instruments that are used by scientists around the world. The company has long toiled in the shadow of the market leader, some would say monopolist, in DNA sequencing, Illumina. PacBio was way overhyped in its early days and crashed hard. It almost went out of business. But it always had a hardcore band of loyal customers that allowed it to hang in there. I wrote a column in 2014 calling PacBio the post-hype sleeper of genomics, predicting a comeback. I'll include that link in the show notes on Timmerman Report for some of that history. It has taken a long time, but that's what happened. PacBio has found a way to hang in there so it could continue to improve its technology on key parameters that matter for its scientific customers, cost, throughput, and accuracy. PacBio's most compelling advantage is that it offers long read sequencing. That means that its instrument can read long segments of DNA from a sample before they get assembled back together into a whole genome. The longer read technology enables PacBio to scan especially tricky parts of the genome, long repeats and structural variations, and piece them together with a high degree of accuracy. Illumina, in contrast, built its empire with short read technology, which has important advantages in terms of cost and speed. A couple years ago, Illumina sought to acquire PacBio for $1.2 billion. That deal was scrapped after antitrust regulators in the US and Europe raised monopoly concerns. Now this is where the story gets really interesting. Henry is a former Illumina executive, one of the key players in its rise to market dominance. He competed against PacBio for years. Now he had retired from Illumina and was sailing around the world with family when this deal happened between PacBio and Illumina. And when that acquisition fell through, he was brought in to take on a new challenge as CEO of PacBio. And if PacBio was going to be independent, it would need to find a way to compete. Over the past year, under Henry's leadership, PacBio has executed on a bold growth strategy. Henry brought in some key recruits from his former employer. PacBio has raised a ton of cash and now has more than a billion dollars in the bank. It acquired San Diego-based Omniome, a company with short-read technology that's supposed to deliver a higher degree of accuracy. That could help fill a void in PacBio's product lineup that it offers to customers who want short-read technology as well as long-read technology. PacBio is now worth more than $5 billion. It looks like a much stronger competitor now than it did a year ago. In this conversation, Christian talks about how he got into the life sciences technology business in the first place, some of his key experiences at Illumina, and his strategy for strengthening PacBio. It's a classic story for the long run. Now before we get started, a word from the sponsor of the long run, AnswerThink. Today's sponsor, AnswerThink, has been consistently recognized by SAP, one of the largest enterprise software companies, as a top business partner for delivering and implementing SAP solutions for small and mid-sized life science companies. 
Their SAP certified solutions designed for the life sciences industry are pre-configured, rapidly deployable, and address fundamental business and IT challenges such as integrating your business applications, delivering validated reporting, increasing your speed to market, support for global rollouts, as well as delivering a fully compliant solution that meets FDA's strict standards. Explore how AnswerThink can streamline your business processes to ensure growth. Visit AnswerThink.com Timmerman and get a copy of the ebook, Top 3 Barriers to Growth for Life Science Organizations. That's AnswerThink.com Timmerman. And Thermo Fisher Scientific. Art of the Cells is the latest installation of Gibco's campaign, which explores the wonderful relationship between research scientists and their cells. We've searched far and wide for talented artists that express creativity in their own incredibly unique style and paired them with one of our research scientists. Each scientist was then tasked to create a piece of artwork that portrays the true beauty of cells. From poetry to embroidery, 3D animation to music, the Art of Cells project promises to explore cell science in a way that has never been done before. Discover the Art of Cells at thermofisher.com slash Gibco Love Your Cells. I'll say that again. Discover the Art of Cells at thermofisher.com slash Gibco Love Your Cells. All one word. Now, please join me and Christian Henry on the long run. Christian Henry, welcome to the long run. Well, thank you very much uh, for the opportunity, Luke. So Christian, uh, it's been a few years since we've spoken. This would have been back in your Illumina days. I'm really excited to hear about this latest chapter for you at PacBio. Uh, but before we, we get into all the current events, uh, I'd like to start with a little bit about uh, where you come from. So uh, you look like t- a California boy through and through. Uh, is, is this true? Absolutely. I, I grew up in Southern California, uh, went to UC San Diego, got my degree in biochemistry, and then uh, was trying to figure out where to go in my career. And and you know, worked in a worked in a lab at the bench, and worked in an ER, and you know, tried to figure out which direction I was going to go, and decided I wanted to be on the business end of of life sciences, even as far back as in in college. And so I went directly from my uh, biochem program at UCSD to UC Irvine, got my MBA, moved up to the Bay Area. Well, now wait. What, why? Why did you decide that you wanted to go to business and not um, carry on in science? Well, I think there were a couple. There were a couple of things in particular. First and foremost was I am I am a, a very extroverted personality, and and I love to be out with people. And I was I I was working on characterizing uh, proteins uh, at the time, and. Uh, the bench, you know, the bench just wasn't really for me. I wanted to think bigger about how you could uh, put money and technology together to better the world. And I thought my contribution could uh, could be along that front as opposed to just, uh, you know, sitting in the lab, not just sitting in the lab, but, but versus sitting in the lab. I explored, you know, going to be a physician and uh, I found that that was super gratifying, but I was just compelled to want to build companies. And uh, and so 
from a very early age, I was very focused on that. Uh, and so I found myself at UC Irvine getting my MBA straight after my degree at UCSD. Now, you were also a water sports guy. Is that right? Yes, I, I played uh, I played water polo for UC San Diego and, and obviously in high school. I grew up a big surfer, lifeguard, uh, sailor. In fact, you know, fast forward to uh, after I, reti- I retired from Illumina, took my family sailing for uh, uh, a few years. I uh, took the kids out of school. And so I'm very passionate about all things, uh, all things water related. You're absolutely right. Was there something about that, like uh, the teamwork or, um, you know, being around people, you, you mentioned being extroverted, were there some, some lessons that uh, from those days that, you know, you, you look back now and say, yeah, that, that kind of propelled me toward business. Oh yeah. Well, I think one of them, is at UC San Diego, when I was playing water polo, we had a sports psychologist who would, you know, come in and teach us how to, how to visualize your performance and how to improve your performance through, uh, through think, you know, through psychology and thinking it through. And one of the things I'll never forget this as long as, as I live, uh, the psychologist said, fake it till you make it, you know, believe you can do something and act like you can do it. And then work as hard as you can to make it a reality. And I think that fundamental philosophy really stuck with me. And, and I, you know, I, I always jumped at, at next level opportunities in my career with the belief that, okay, well, I've never done it before, but I believe I have the tools to do it. And, you know, so I'll go in and fake it till you make it. And, and eventually by working hard enough, uh, you know, I was able to demonstrate that I could make a lot of good things happen. And so that's probably that comes straight from those water polo days and and uh, you know the team sport. So it's funny you mentioned that because uh, some people will hear that and I, I mean you're speaking to the growth mindset kind of aspect of that uh, to take not being afraid to take on challenges and move outside your comfort zone is positive. But then you know the, the downside to that is like fraud in in, in some cases. Uh, well, that's so, true. Let's 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 use fake it in a uh, a figurative sense. Uh, it, to be honest, it really is about belief in yourself and the ability to uh, be courageous in your leadership. You know, not only around other people, but inside your own self, and have a clear perspective of who you are. And I was very fortunate that uh, you know, in the team sports environment, you learn a lot of lessons about who you are, about leadership. Uh, and about uh, about doing things you didn't think you could do. Uh, and I, so, I think that benefited me exceptionally well throughout my career. So you went to UC Irvine for business school. Um, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with that or or not at the beginning? Well, I, def- I definitely had a focus on finance and I had a focus on uh, putting um, putting money and biotechnology together and and building companies in that sort of way. And so I was very in, intrigued about, uh, you know, finance, how financial markets worked. At the time, this was uh, the early 90s. And so, you know, there was that first biotech boom happening in the Bay Area with a lot of companies going public, a lot of capital. It was, you know, Genentech was really um, driving a vibrant community of life sciences in, in the Bay Area, and so that was intriguing to me. and And so I focused uh, principally on you know finance 
driving it into kind of life science and biotechnology. And I ended up at Ernst & Young after business school because for the simple fact that they had clients uh, of all the leading biotechnology companies of the day. And I was able to um, do consulting projects because I had my MBA looking, you know, evaluating M&A opportunities. And this is when Ernst & Young could do a lot more consulting on uh, the M&A front than they do today. Okay. So that's kind of a classic first job coming out of business school. Yeah. You get uh, exposed to a lot of different companies and different issues, um, but you don't really have to own the problem. That's right. That, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, you could see how, how it was done well and, and how leadership uh, how leadership varied and different, you know, not, there wasn't exactly one recipe for success. And so you got a lot of, I did get a lot of exposure to a lot of different ways of working, different technologies. Uh, and that's actually, it, during that time is where I really started to get excited more about the life science tools space other rather than say classic biotechnology or, or therapeutics. Now I did work at a few of those kinds of companies over the years and I learned very specific things, but, uh, but I was extremely passionate about, uh, you know, the, the picks and shovels, the tools and how they would fundamentally impact everything. And I, you know, I think it's, it's worked out pretty well. Why do you think you were so drawn to the tools? Well, I, I think it's a combination. You know, I, I love holistically all aspects of business, everything from, you know, thinking about the customer to developing products that will meet the customer needs. Uh, so the product creation and ideation around and innovation. But then, uh, you know, then there's the manufacturing act, uh, execution aspect. And so, there's a lot of components and it was very interesting to me. And, and finally, you know, in, in the life science tool space in particular, there is a, a you know, on the innovation side, it is the marriage of, uh, you know, gen genetics and engineering and, and op, uh, optics. And so that's so multidisciplinary to gr create great products, data science, uh, and I think that was always intriguing rather than just, you know, one chemi chemistry process or, or something like that. It was very diversified on how you do that innovation. So it looks, just looking over your resume, it looks like you had an important early experience there. Your first real operating job, maybe, in tools at Affymetrics. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about uh, tell me a little bit about Affymetrics? Because you know, for the for the kids in the audience who may not remember, uh, this is a big deal. The original gene chip company that evaluated gene expression uh, came up in the '90s and early 2000s, uh, and that's right around when when you got there, right? That's right. Yeah. So I was um, so I was really attracted to Affymetrics because you know here was using semiconductor technology to explore the explore the genome in ways no one had ever done before. And Steve Foder, who was the founder and CEO, was just this incredible dynamic visionary. And I was enthralled. I mean, the first day I sat in his office and he whiteboarded the technology and where the future of the technology was going, just he had me hooked. And and we uh, you know, and, and I also, Sue Siegel, who was the president at the time, she had just recently started 
uh, with the company when I joined and she was, she very quickly was running commercial and then became the president. And she is a, uh, just a, just a fantastic manager and, and driver. Uh, and so I had the privilege of working, working with both of them. And I reported when I first got there, I reported, uh, to Ed Hurwitz, who was the chief financial officer at the time, but eventually I ended up, um, uh, you know, working directly across the company in all aspects uh, from M&A to um, pricing and uh, to uh, all of the finance functions, as you can imagine. And so I got a very um, a, a front row seat, so to speak, in the emergence of genomics and chip-based uh, genomics. And, and it was just a really great time. Uh, we moved, we grew very, very quickly um, had fantastic customers, and gene expression then gave way to um, to genotyping, uh, and uh, and you know then Illumina came along, of course, and uh, and you know the rest is history there. But well, it was a great. Let's get there. Let's get there in a minute. But yeah. this sounds like one of those classic great early career experiences where you're a young person entering a fast growing company. Uh, you've got exposure to top management. Um, and you're working on a whole bunch of different functions. So this was like a great learning experience. And furthermore, I, I remember writing a story about the Affymetrics alumni group at some point later on. And there was, there was a lot of talent, like a lot of smart people in, in every department of this place who scattered off and, and did a lot of interesting things after. Oh, yeah. Oh, clearly. You know, if you look at that executive team and, and you look at the scientific ranks, I mean, you can go up and down uh, the management team, Greg Fergus, who was running uh, sales, he, he went on and, and, you know, had a fantastic uh, run at, uh, Ian Torn has been in this space for a very long time. Vern Norville was the general counsel at the time. And he, uh, you know, he's legendary in his uh, ability to kind of navigate intellectual property and is just a, a fantastic person to work with. And so, I was I was very fortunate that I was curious about and that I believed that finance could be the jumping off point into any part of the organization if you had that curious mindset and also the the scientific background. I had enough scientific background that I could sit in any meeting and actually contribute um, both from a business and finance perspective, but also I could I could understand the science and where we were trying to get to, and and so I you know Sue Siegel in particular really took me under our wing, her wing and gave me opportunities you know in the boardroom, uh, in business development, uh, and uh, and then in all of the core operational and R and D execution. And so you're right. At a very young age, I was participating on the uh, earnings calls. I was, you know, I wasn't necessarily in a speaking role, but I was in the room developing the strategy and the and the story alongside the team, and and that was a great experience for me. That curiosity is really important, and I suspect that's a through line because you know, in, in finance, right? I mean, scientists listening to this might think, well, you know, aren't those the guys who wear ties and and crunch <laughs> the numbers or something? But but no, I mean, you 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 are curious about the science, and you, you ask questions, you learn things, you, you seek to connect dots. That's right. That's exactly that. That's exactly what it was, and it and it was. You know, as if you have the right mindset in finance, you can really get a lot accomplished because one of the keys to being successful on the finance side is is 
demonstrating how different groups across an organization can uh, collaborate together to come up with even better products because you you're sitting in all of the meetings so you can see uh, and help connect the dots in a way others can't. And then on top of that, I've always been a very customer minded uh, person. And so I spent a lot of time with sales and marketing, thinking about pricing strategies, thinking about, uh, you know, how do we empower our customers to do more? And at Affymetrics, I was able to spend uh, time with our customers. And so I was a bit of a unique bird, uh, so to speak, in finance, because I was just as willing and eager to go on customer calls as I was investor calls or, uh, you know, figuring out the budget for for the next year. So I was I, I was all over the place and it was a great experience for me. Interesting. So how did you end up going to Illumina, which was the competitor at the time? This would have been before it got into the DNA sequencing with the, the technology from Selexa, I think is when you joined. Well, I joined before we acquired Selexa even. And so what, what happened was, uh, you know, I was very happy to Affymetrics, but um, my wife, uh, we were expecting our first child and we moved. We, we wanted to get closer to our families in Southern California. So we moved out of the Bay Area and I took a job as a CFO of another company. Uh, and I did that for about 18 months and then sold the company. Um, and when that deal was completed, that's when uh, Illumina started recruiting me to be the chief financial officer at Illumina. And so I was lucky that I had about 18 months to kind of cleanse myself, so to speak, of any competitive um, strategies or anything like that. And I was able to join Illumina. I joined Illumina in 2005, and we were just uh, getting ready to launch our first uh, whole genome genotyping chip. And so that was, uh, uh, Affymetrix actually launched the, their genotyping chip before Illumina did, but we, uh, we believed we had a, a product that actually would be better. And in the first part of 2006, Affymetrix had significant manufacturing challenges, and that gave us enough uh, of an opportunity where we were able to get our product uh, into many different customers and started rapidly growing from that point. Uh, which then enabled the Slex acquisition, which we can talk about later. So that's how I ended up arriving. I arrived as chief financial officer at Illumina. And, you know, the, the reality is, is from the first day Jay Flatley and I met each other, we shared, uh, and Jay was the CEO of, of Illumina, of course, we shared the same sensibility about how to build a business, about uh, leadership and management, and just a passion for the science and and for you know driving something forward, being at the frontier of, of science, so to speak, and so that was um, it, it. Didn't take very long to recruit me; about maybe five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he's a, a forward leaning, um, aggressive, competitive kind of guy. Oh uh, yeah, he, yes. <laughs> he he wanted to win, and he saw that. Uh, uh, he and others saw this technology at Selexa. Can you tell us a little bit about that story and, and what you saw? Yeah, sure. So what was interesting was we, in early 2006, we were, we were growing our revenues quickly and we, our, our market capitalization was going up. 
but we weren't content with that. And we had a great product, uh, forward product lineup, but we had been interested in next generation sequencing. And uh, Jay, John Stupnagel, who was the chief operating officer and one of the founders of Illumina, Jay and I were, uh, Jay and I were at Jay's house in, uh, uh, in Rancho Santa Fe in, in the springtime. And Jay was making margaritas uh, for us. And we were, you know, talking strategy and that's where we really crafted this strong strategic desire to, you know, we need to make a move in next generation sequencing. And so we evaluated the different technologies, the technology that ultimately became uh, the solid system and um, 454 and some of the other, other uh, technologies that were emerging at the time. And we, um, we were intrigued by this Alexa sequencing by synthesis capability. And of course, um, John West, who was the CEO of uh, Selexa at the time, wasn't really interested in, in selling the company. And they were more interested at the time. Uh, Affymetrics was wanting to do a partnership with Selexa, uh, which didn't ever come to fruition because I, I, the Affymetrics team, it, it appeared, believed that um, they should do sequencing on, on chips. Uh, versus on, uh, you know, flow cells. And so that that was fortuitous for us because then we started work looking at a partnership with them. And that was kind of in the summertime of 2006. And by the fall, it became very clear that there was tremendous synergy. Uh, technically, we had a very strong engineering team at Illumina and they had a very strong chemistry team. And putting the, you know, the sequencer really wasn't working yet. But it was close. And, and our dream was, wow, if we could get this to be one gigabase of output, this would be incredible sequencer. Maybe one day that we could get to three gigabases of, of output. And so that's what we were thinking. And we were doing 35 uh, base pair reads at, at the time. And that was that was when the sequencer would actually sequence. And nonetheless, we weren't deterred. We were we were enthusiastic. They had the same kind of culture that we did. And so by the fall, we, um, we finally put the, the, the merger together and, uh, you know, John West, Jay and I went to New York to meet with investors, uh, with the investment bankers. And, and the first day, I'll never forget this. Our stock was down a, a ton and we had just had record er, record earnings the quarter before. And, you know, investors were really excited about Illumina and then we announced this deal and we're in New York and we go to see, we have, we start with a lunch with about 20 investors around a big table. And we're going to tell them about the deal and why, why they should, why they should be supportive. I'm telling you, if there were tomatoes on that table that day, none of us would have got out of there without, with, with a clean suit. Uh, investors were not happy about this. Really? But why the, didn't they like it? Well, they didn't like it because we had a great array business and the Selexa technology didn't work yet. And we didn't know when it was going to turn into revenue. And um, and the array business was on a tear uh, and our stock had gone up tremendously. In fact, this, by, the stock went up so much over the course of that, uh, over the course of 2006, it really gave us the financial wherewithal to do the Selexa um, acquisition. And so, you know, the array business really helped us get to a point. And we 
we believed that by becoming the first company that could offer next generation sequencing and microarrays, that we would be able to create combination products, integrate the technologies in different sorts of ways, and serve customers in, um, in ways no one else could. And that would give us a significant advantage over Affymetrics uh, and anyone else that, that came along. And, and so it was really intriguing to see you know, the investor reaction. They didn't, they didn't really like it at first. By the time we got through all of the meetings, people started to understand what this might mean. And then we, when we launched the product in early 2007, we, our goal was sh to ship 20 instruments in the first quarter of launch, and we did. And once we achieved that goal, we were, we were really were off to the races. And I had the luck, I had the, the pleasure of leading the integration. And so I spent, uh, I spent about 60, 70% of my time up in the Bay Area uh, at the Selexa facilities, uh, integrating the two companies while maintaining my CFO job. And, and that, was, um, that was a great experience. And I was uniquely qualified to do that because I had seen so much at Affymetrics and because I was so engaged uh, across the organization at Illumina. Today's sponsor, AnswerThink, has been consistently recognized by SAP, one of the largest enterprise software companies, as a top business partner for delivering and implementing SAP solutions for small and mid-sized life science companies. Their SAP certified solutions designed for the life sciences industry are pre-configured, rapidly deployable, and address fundamental business and IT challenges, such as integrating your business applications, delivering validated reporting, increasing your speed to market, support for global rollouts, as well as delivering a fully compliant solution that meets FDA strict standards. Explore how AnswerThink can streamline your business processes to ensure growth. Visit answerthink.com Timmerman and get a copy of the ebook, Top Three Barriers to Growth for Life Science Organizations. That's answerthink.com Timmerman. And Thermo Fisher Scientific, Art of Cells is the latest installation of Gibco's campaign, which explores the wonderful relationship between research scientists and their cells. We've searched far and wide for talented artists that express creativity in their own incredibly unique style and paired them with one of our research scientists. Each artist was then tasked to create a piece of artwork that portrays the true beauty of cells. From poetry to embroidery, 3D animation to music, the Art of Cells project promises to explore cell science in a way that has never been done before. Discover the Art of Cells at thermofisher.com slash gibcoloveyourcells, all one word. I'll say that again. Discover Art of Cells at thermofisher.com slash gibcoloveyourcells. To set the scene for people, late 06, early 07, uh, first draft of the Human Genome Project had been sequenced and published in like right. 2003, I think. Uh, and largely it was the applied biosystems technologies that uh, that were in sort of the, the big genome sequencing core centers that did a lot of that. But uh, NextGen was not, you know, widely adopted. It certainly wasn't at, you know, everybody's lab bench. Um, so this was... 
you know, this was you guys looking out into the future and, and imagining were, were, were people talking about, you know, the, the thousand dollar genome, like even then, or did that just come like a few years later when you kind of got on that Moore's law curve? No, that, that the thousand dollar genome was still a, a fantasy at that point in time. And we, we didn't start talking about that in earnest until, uh, until we launched the high seek product line. And then we started to see a path to get to the thousand dollar genome. But back then the, you know, we really had some great partners and, and, you know, one, the, a key lesson that I learned from that time horizon that I, I'm using today is, is building those deep customer relationships. Selexa had built an incredible relationship with the Broad Institute and Eric Lander uh, was an absolute visionary, believing that this technology could be revolutionary. And so, uh, you know, there was constant collaboration going back and forth between the Broad and the Selexa team. In fact, so much so that when we were doing our initial roadshow, when we announced the deal, you know, one of the, we went, we went to New York and then we went to the UK because Selexa had um, a group at Cambridge and we wanted to reach out to those folks. And then we immediately came back to Boston and met with, um, with the Broad and had a meeting with them because they were so instrumental in collaborating to get, um, uh, you know, to get the Selexa product working because they saw they saw a huge opportunity. And so we sat down with with uh, Dr. Lander and uh, and had a great conversation. And that really started a partnership that had that blossomed over the years into a substantial, not only substantial customer for Illumina, but a substantial partner. And you know, fast forward to where I am today, and we'll talk about that more later, but uh, the Broad continues to be a great partner, and I continue to have very deep relationships with, with really amazing people that are there, many of which are still there from back in those days of 06, 07. Well, let's just try to talk a little bit about your your overall experience there at Illumina briefly. I mean, you started out as CFO, like you said, and but this was you're a highly integrative kind of guy. Like you say, you're talking with customers, you're, you're talking to the engineers, you're, you're, you're scoping out this market. You, you take on commercial roles as, as time goes on. So it really, and the product development or the, the product uh, portfolio, I mean, it, it's, it's growing through these years. Right. The market is maturing. Um, you, how, how did your, um, sales skills, your commercial skills uh, really develop over those years? And maybe you can lay on the Illumina sales pitch on me at some point. <laughs> well, <laughs> you let can me, do both, right? <laughs> yeah, well, let me, let me backpedal just a second and I'll give you kind of my Illumina career arc because actually it really set me up well to be a, a chief executive. And, you know, I, I've got to give all the credit in the world to Jay Flatley to one of his fundamental strategies was to hire great people and then move them around in different roles and stretch stretch their capabilities. And he did this time and time again with many of us on the executive team. And so I was a CFO and then I ran the Selex integration. Uh, the integration went so well that Jay asked me to, he, said, he basically said, Christian, we can find another C CFO, but can you run the life science business. And so I started running the life science business and uh, encompassed in that along the way, I was also running corporate and business development at this simultaneous to that. 
but I was running all of the product development groups uh, for sequencing and arrays under this life science and all of manufacturing and operations. And then we did another reorganization and, and my title changed a bit uh, to what we call genomic solutions. And what that was, as we started to develop diagnostic capabilities, we wanted to have a bit of a separate business unit that would focus that. And I, I stayed focused on the entire uh, research portfolio re, you know, at, with product development, uh, all of the product strategy and marketing associated with that. And then, um, and then we did, and including operations and, and all of that. So I did that for many years as well. So I had that experience. And then from there, we did another reorganization uh, to where I became chief commercial officer. And that uh, in that role, I was accountable for all of, you know, global, anything that touched the customer globally. And, and so the reason why I kind of go through that career arc is it gave me the opportunity to manage every part of the business, uh, but legal and HR and, uh, and Mustafa Ranagi had a research organization. And so that opportunity for me, when I got to the customer front, I already, I had such a deep knowledge and understanding uh, of what was going on in the business, where the products were going, what were the key customer issues. And that gave me the, um, you know, that gave me the capability to manage at this point, a large organization. I mean, it was well over a thousand people at that point in time. And, and we had operations around the world. Uh, I was instrumental in, in putting the Singapore manufacturing uh, and, you know, build out together in my time as running genomic solutions. And so, you know, when I got into commercial, my relationships in, in Asia were strong and in, in Europe as well. And so, it, you know, having that, that long tenure and that deep experience across the board really helped me drive customer trust and, and also drive the strategy with, with the sales force. And, and since I'm still a numbers guy and super competitive, you know, bringing the trains home every quarter, making sure we achieved our revenue goals and targets and, and did everything we need, you know, did everything we needed to do from that perspective uh, was, was also part of the job. And, and, and I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoy the customer interaction immensely because, you know, that's where you see the rubber hit the road. And, and, you know, our vision, uh, which is similar to what Illumina is, that genomics is improving the lives of everyone, and and it's you know we we make the picks and shovels, but it was it was great spending time with the people that actually transform uh, the genomics and and transform the industry. So it looks like you left in 2017. So you were there 11, 12 years. By this point, you know Illumina's dominant in the market, number one uh, DNA sequencing. You know better, faster, cheaper uh, sequencing had had really been. Uh, popularized around the biomedical research enterprise worldwide. Um, why'd you leave? Well, you know, it, it, I run really hard. Uh, and so I had been working very, very hard, even from uh, the, uh, uh, as soon as we, you know, even from the very beginning, and it was an absolute thrill. But at some point, you know, I needed to really spend some time with my family. I've got, I had a, uh, young, young family at the time. And, and I, you know, we had been very successful at Illumina and my, my wife encouraged me to take some time. And so we, um, we decided to retire and, 
uh, we bought a, a sailboat and took the kids out of school uh, and we homeschooled them as we we went on an adventure to a sailing adventure, which lasted uh, almost three years. And the the reason why we did that fundamentally was we wanted to teach our children about how big the world is and how how much opportunity and possibility there is out there for people and also about change and about learning about adversity and resilience and managing your fear, you know, because sometimes when you're out on the ocean, you know, you're reliant on yourself. And, and we, we were able to teach our kids those lessons. And we sailed as far as north as Nova Scotia and as far south as Venezuela and everywhere in between. And, uh, and so it was time to really give give back to my family and so that's that's what we did i still i still maintained my connections and and managed uh you know still sat on some boards of directors uh one one of the more boards i still sit on today is uh ginkgo bioworks which weekly is in synthetic biology and we recently went public uh through a spac and and so that's been very exciting but um but yeah so we i decided we needed to give to our kids because we just wouldn't get that time back. And how old were they at this time? They were, my little one was five and my older one was uh, like, uh, let's see, 12. Uh, so she was the older, my older daughter was going into eighth grade and and my little one was going into kindergarten. Um, and you really so did this for three years? We did, we did. and. It was incredible. And quite frankly, the, the principal reason why we got off the boat was COVID. We were down in uh, the Caribbean and, uh, you know, it was becoming very, very difficult to get around. By this time, I'd already joined the PacBio board too, by the way. And it was very difficult to get around. So we decided we needed to get the boat out of the water. So we raced down, to Ante uh, down from Antigua down to Grenada. And we got the boat out of the water, and then we got the, the second to last flight out of um, Grenada to New York and then before they shut the airport for six months. And so um, along the way, we had, we had purchased a home in uh, Kennebunkport, Maine, which is where I am today. And, uh, and we you know, hunkered down for, for COVID here. Uh, and, and so that's what, got, that's what kind of ended the trip. My older daughter, though, she did go, she ended up living on the boat with us for about a year and a half, give or take. And then she went off to uh, a boarding school. So she's a senior now at uh, Hotchkiss in uh, Connecticut, which is one of the reasons why we're still on the East Coast. Actually. Well, that's uh, that's such an interesting story. Um, <laughs> but you were pretty young to retire, as you say. And and you, you did keep your, um, your connections alive with... Uh, Ginkgo, as you referenced, a couple other boards. Um, how did you decide? And I suppose you probably recharge your batteries naturally uh, being oh, yeah. out there in, in nature. Uh, how did you decide to join the Pack Bio board? Because this would have been like, you know, <laughs> Illumina's uh, one of the competitors. And right. you, you knew this company quite well uh, from a competitive distance. Sure. What? Why join the board? Well, I, so I joined the board in 2018 prior to Illumina making the bid to acquire PacBio. And the reason why I joined the board is that, first of all, if you look at the board, super high quality individuals, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to learn from them. 
And then second, the technology was coming into a, uh, its own in the sense that they were getting ready to launch a new chip, the 8M chip, which is really the sequel to the foundation of the sequel to. And so I believed that um, that this new chip and the new tech, the new technology would help drive the business. And I also believe at a fundamental level, long read sequencing technology is extremely important to the future of diagnostics. And, and I believe that back in 2018. And so I decided to join the board. Um, months later, uh, Illumina came uh, knocking to acquire the company because they saw. Christian, the- let's 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 hold there and come to that later. For those sure. not familiar, can you kind of juxtapose Illumina and PacBio, like the fundamentals of their technology? Their short read at Illumina and long read at PacBio. What does that mean, and and why is that important? Yeah, so so Illumina has a technology called sequencing by synthesis, and that's a short read technology. And what what short reads mean? is that you sequence smaller fragments of DNA. So these fragments of DNA can be anywhere from 150 to say uh, 300 bases long, give or take. Uh, And the reason why that's useful is that you can sequence lots of these little pieces and then using bioinformatics, you can put the puzzle back together. But you have a big puzzle with a lot of a lot of pieces. That's useful because it's fast and 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 reasonably inexpensive. Um, however, it has some limitations because the smaller the pieces of the puzzle, the more difficult it is to match the puzzle pieces or the fragments of DNA against the reference. And in fact, there are certain areas of the genome that short read technologies like like Illuminous can't access that because they don't have uh, they don't have the specificity to uh, reach reach the genome where fast where you start to think about long read technology PacBio has a what we call uh, smart sequencing which is single molecule real time sequencing and PacBio looks at single molecules uh, individually at lengths of like twenty thousand bases. Uh, per per molecule. So with a 20,000 base pair, 20 KB read, you can map, you have fewer puzzle pieces to put the puzzle together, which makes it easier to put the puzzle together and makes it easier to uh, reach all facets of the genome. In fact, just this year, it was announced that finally the human genome has fully been sequenced, even though you're right, it was announced in 2003, there was about 10% of the genome that had not been able been sequenced, and it required PacBio's technology in order to reach those hard to reach places. Uh, and so, so, yeah, go now ahead. Now, PacBio has had this advantage for a long time, but it also had a certain disadvantage, as I recall. You know, when it came out, uh, went public ten years ago. You know, it was it was an expensive instrument. Um, or at least it was perceived that way uh, by by customers, and it was lower throughput, slower. Um, it was also just like a big bulky thing that that needed like special room or something to reinforce. Right. So like people needed to have like they needed to see like a really strong benefit to justify some of those trade offs. And I guess you know, I mean, you would know this well from being you know in that arena. But Illumina. Um, 
with the better fast with the faster cheaper solution it, it ended up uh taking over the market establishing that installed base which then made it very very difficult for anybody to justify the switching costs or the extra expense of getting it would be like having microsoft machine and a, and an apple machine like you kind of pick one or the other and it's hard to switch once you've got one is that is i that i think Yes, uh, yeah, generally you're you're correct there. I think the the limitations of the pack biotechnology in the past were all centered on cost and throughput. And you know, I I think it's generally recognized uh, by the community that if I can have long reads at similar economics to short reads, I'm going to choose long reads every time. In fact, I will even pay more for long reads generally but not so much more that it's, I can't do my experiment. And, and historically, PacBio's technology was lower accuracy, uh, more, much, much more expensive, much more cumbersome and challenging to use. And over the course of 2018 and 2019, when the company launched the SQL2 platform and then launched the Hi-Fi chemistry, the world changed that now the accuracy was on par or better than short reads. So you had more fidelity to the genome and the costs were starting to come down into a range that's acceptable. And that's why you've seen PacBio do great partnerships with, with groups like Children's Mercy Hospital and Invite because they see the, the benefit of long reads. And now they're starting to see the economics. And that's that's actually why I decided to join as the CEO is that I see the next wave of PAC biotechnology continuing to trans, transform the power of short reads versus our short power of long reads versus short reads and take us to a spot where now it, you can look at use long reads, which people are generally going to prefer with the throughput and the cost profile that makes it viable at production scale. Uh, and that's that's really where the magic is, is starting to happen because it's going to open up and unlock markets that didn't really exist, such as whole genome sequencing in clinical applications. Um, today, you know, today the world uses proxies such as exomes, which are just the coding regions of the genome. They use short read technologies there, but they're missing a lot of information. And we are we are moving very quickly to launch a generation of products that will allow us to sequence well below that magical thousand dollar genome and enable us to convert, you know, the exome world into whole genome because you can see more and get deeper resolution uh, associated with the biology. Can you talk real briefly about that completion of the, uh, some people call it the platinum genome, the, the, a new reference uh, that, as I understand it, the long reads enable uh, you to capture uh, these long repeat regions or structural variations or copy number variations that just have traditionally been lost or uh, with the short read. We have and a better reference now? We do have a better reference. In fact, we have... Uh, you know, really for the first time in history, the entire telomere to telomere. So it's always been really difficult uh, to sequence through the repeat regions like you talked about and the structural variation. 
But it's also been extremely challenging to look at the centromere and get through, sequenced through the centromere on a chromosome and then all the way back out to the other telomere. And, and now using the PacBio HiFi chemistry, uh, coupled with short reads and uh, the, the combination have allowed researchers to finally complete the human genome. And, and that's, that's a landmark in, you know, in history here. Uh, and it did get some fanfare uh, earlier in the year when it was announced. And so, you know, we're proud to be part of that, but it's really just the beginning of the power of long read technology, because as more users use long reads, more applications are uncovered, more, uh, more biology is discovered with respect to the implication of structural variations, uh, which I think will, will continue to push the notion of, of um, long reads into the community. And so when you joined the board, you say this was 2018, things were starting to look up. You, you looked at this and thought there's, there's more potential here than there used to be. What did your old friends at Illumina say? Do they think you were nuts? I I, I think um, I think once I once I joined on as the CEO, I did the phone did ring as, as the board member. They you know that was great. They were it was fine and and it wasn't really that big a thing. But once it was announced that I was going to become the chief executive, my phone started ringing. And in fact, you know I feel so fortunate today because we've been able to build a very very experienced, powerful leadership team with many people that came directly from Illumina through my longstanding relationships, uh, including our chief operating officer, Mark Van Owen, our chief commercial officer, Peter Froman, and a whole host of uh, executives. And so I think that we I've been very fortunate to have strong followership and, uh, and you know, people see the vision and the mission that we're on here that that long reads can become an important part of the story and the community. And, you know, I, I think that the growth opportunity is tremendous. And so they, they were uh, intrigued. And then I was able to inspire some to come join. And now we've had many, many people join the company and, and completely new trajectory. But this wasn't preordained by any means. You, you oh. were on the board and at the time, a uh, agreement was struck for Illumina to acquire PacBio. Now that did not happen. <laughs> um, um, can you like? I, I know the FTC had some things to say about this, um, uh, but how did this go down from your side? Were, were you disappointed, or, or did you see this as an opportunity when it it fell apart? Well, I, I think uh, at the time we were all disappointed that the deal didn't go through because you know Illumina has some amazing people and and has incredible reach and, and resources uh, that could have empowered the long read technology. However, you know when when you're down, you got to get it back up off the mat, and that's when I really started thinking. You know what? There is a real business opportunity here, and over the course of the summer, the board. Uh, you know, the board asked me to become the CEO, and and I, I joined because I saw a very straightforward set of strategies that would get the company moving in the right direction, and then really grow. And it was really all about uh, building out a strong commercial organization because there was very little, developing the next generation of products, and then proving the v utility of long reads 
particularly in clinical whole genome settings. And we've been moving very quickly against all of those. And, and now, you know, hindsight being 2020, Illumina was going to pay roughly 1.2 billion for the company. And where we are today, you know, we're roughly $5 billion valuation. So, you know, from a pure economic perspective, uh, it turned out this was a good idea. The shareholders should be pretty happy with that. Now, so when you're looking at um, what uh, resources you had at your disposal as the CEO of PacBio, and this would have been spring of 2020, so a little over a year ago, um, what were some of the things that you saw that were missing that you wanted to add or layer in? Yeah, there were really two fundamental things. First, there was very little commercial organization. And what I mean by that is, you know, very small sales force outside the United States, very small sales force inside the United States. Many, when I was doing my diligence to, to join the company, you know, I called some customers and those customers, you know, indicated they didn't even know who their PacBio sales rep was. And so it was very clear to me that we needed to, uh, create, uh, you know, create more interest in the company. We had a great product. Uh, the Hi-Fi Chemistry and the SQL 2 were already on the market when I when I joined, but we just weren't getting the word out. And so we needed to build uh, both sales and marketing capabilities first and foremost. Secondly, we needed to start thinking about we needed to start thinking really big and thinking about how do we how do we scale the R and D organization so that we can develop multiple platforms simultaneously, because one of the core strategies of the company is to uh, launch different platforms for different parts of the market. By platforms, I mean different sequencers that have different characteristics, both price and throughput, so that you could have more inexpensive sequencers for those that don't have the budget, but still want to be engaged in long-range sequencing. And you could have very high throughput sequencers that in fact cost more to buy the sequencer, but the reagents and, and cost give you, get you to that under thousand dollar genome and allow science to happen at scale. And so we needed to invest in that. And I was very fortunate to that we've been able to raise, gosh, over a billion and a half dollars uh, since I've joined the company. Yeah, that, that product portfolio sounds a little bit like Illumina back in the day. I remember when the HiSeq was around and uh, and then they came out with the MySeq. And that was the benchtop, the, the quicker, cheaper, uh, you know, benchtop thing that could compete against uh, the ion torrent uh, semiconductor system from, from years ago. And it was a way to kind of lock in your customers. Uh, if they liked the HiSeq, they had it and they needed to do something like quick and easy, like a confirmation run. And it needed to align with, um, you know, their, their previous publications from years ago. Um, you know, you make it quick and easy for them. Um, and you should be able to do that with a full lineup from PacBio, similarly. Well, there were some really smart folks uh, putting together that product strategy that are now over at PacBio. So I'm not surprised that you see the similarity. I think it is a really, uh, really powerful uh, strategy because it really is all about solving problems for the customer and they're creating solutions for them instead of being so technocentric that here's technology, I'm just going to throw it over the wall. And whether you can really use it or afford it or not, it's not really what I'm focused on. 
at PacBio, we're very, very focused on the customers, their needs, the scale. And, and I think having a multi-platform portfolio will allow us to serve many, many more customers than we even we do today. Can you talk a little bit about a couple of acquisitions I've noticed you've made? One is Omniom and the other is Circulomics. Maybe you want to start with Omniom, which is, I understand, a type of short read sequencing. So again, like fleshing out that portfolio of products that you have to offer. That's exactly right. So, so Omnium, we, we uh, closed the Omnium transaction just a couple of weeks ago. And what Omnium is, is a short read sequencing technology that has some unique characteristics relative to Illumina and any other short read sequencers in that the technology is highly, highly accurate. In fact, we, it's well over an order of magnitude more accurate than the Illumina technology. And the implication of that is that in areas that are uh, growing really fast, such as can't oncology, residual disease, liquid biopsy, these market areas, this technology could be highly, highly useful. And our belief is that you know, rather than having one technology to serve the entire market, that if we have multiple technologies, we can, lever- we can use those technologies to solve the customer uh, problem. In other words, as I said before, we're providing the solution to the customer, not just the technology. And so we see having a lot, we're really the only company now that has a long and short read technology and capability in-house. And what we'll do is create uh, unique combinations of products, We'll create cross-selling opportunities. So people that are engaged in short read sequencing will be able to go and speak to them about our solutions in short reads, but then also talk to them about why long reads can be appealing and interesting if, the, if, they're, uh, you know, if their solutions um, warrant that. So it's a really exciting opportunity for us. There's incredible R&D synergy as well. They have they have experts in engineering, optomechanics, uh, biochemistry, uh, a lot of the things that we have a lot of expertise in as well. And so we're starting the integration. Actually, we're knee deep in it now. And, and I think it's going exceptionally well. And, and soon we will have products, you know, that we can, we can ship uh, from the Omnium. So that, that's a little bit about Omnium. And you're also getting a San Diego site, which um, uh, you obviously are in the Bay Area. It's yes. uh, nice to have another location where you can recruit people, particularly who might already have roots there in, yes. with relevant experience. Well, it's been tremendous and it is tremendous to have. They have a beautiful facility uh, and you know, San Diego is a hotbed of genomics. There's no question about it. And so they had over 100 employees that, that came across uh, and are now PAC Bio employees. But we have, over the course of the past year, hired a significant number of employees that are based in San Diego. And so now they'll have uh, cubes and offices and laboratories in, in San Diego. And, and we will truly integrate as one company just with two very powerful locations. And this company costs something like $300 million for you to acquire? Well, it was a little more than that. It was uh, the it, the total price we paid about six hundred million dollars up front, and we have a milestone payment of two hundred million once we launch the product. So, assuming we get the products launched, uh, you know, it'll be roughly eight hundred million dollars. 
So a little okay. more than 300. Okay. And I know you raised a lot. You got 900 million from SoftBank. You got over a billion in cash last I looked. Um, yep. So, and you use some of that as well for the circulomics, just real briefly. I mean, that's a sample prep company. Uh, what, what, what was important or attractive about that one? Well, so, so part of our strategy is on the long read side, we need to, we need to build the ecosystem and drive the workflow and simplify it from when you get extract DNA to when you do your bioinformatics. And circulomics are absolute world experts in DNA extraction. And so they have exquisite technology that allows you to very gently extract very long fragments of DNA. And those fragments of DNA then you know, go into the SQL2 sequencing platform. And the better, the higher quality the DNA is out of extraction, the better sequencing results you're going to get. And so we, you know, this was really critical, uh, critical acquisition because it gives us core competency in that. They also have a business and they have over what, 700 customers roughly already. And so that also gives us access to, to customers that may or may not be using our technology already. And so we're, we're using, we're leveraging that. And then finally, they have a lot of expertise in automation and, and automation as we drive to scale in long reads, uh, automation is an important component of that. And so we're developing fully automated capabilities so that uh, it makes it as easy as possible for customers to get super high quality long read sequencing. The sample prep is not the most glamorous thing to talk about, but I mean, it, it, if you make it simple and easy for people, it just makes it that much easier. Um, you know, right. it's really quite quite a run. I mean, I, you know, I think back to when I covered this company when it was a startup and, you know, it had a pretty big IPO 10 years ago. And there was a time when it really hit the wall. And I think it was like people thought it was going to go out of business. Like it was worth less than uh, its cash in the bank. Right. Uh, activist investors were circulating. And, um, you know, Illumina seemed to be just, you know, in total control of the market. Um, and now, you can begin to imagine like things turning a little differently over time. Um, where do you see this thing going in the next few years? What what are your goals? Well, I think the the biggest goals are are to is to really serve our customers by driving a series of platform launches that really enable them to leverage long reads uh, in a way they've never been able to leverage, and then on the short read side drive and create a beachhead in some of these really important fast-growing applications in oncology using the Omnium technology. On top of that, it's continuing to drive uh, the value of long-range sequencing in particular in clinical whole genome applications. And so you see we have a very big partnership with Invitae, which is another great company. And you know their, their belief is that long reads will be the primary way in which people uh, look at whole genomes into the future. And so I, I believe that down the road, millions of samples per year could be processed on PacBioTechnology using long reads to really deeply understand what's going on with the biology. And, and that will help us build, uh, that will help us serve customers. It'll help us drive our mission uh, and will help us grow. And so I think over the next two to three years, you're going to see a continued uh, acceleration out of the company a continued uh, ability for us to inspire the world on how powerful 
uh, long reads are, and also how PacBio as a company is easy to work with on, on the same side as customers and really wants to be part of the community driving, uh, you know, driving the pace of innovation and scientific understanding forward because we believe that we still understand very little about the genome and our technologies will help uh, scientists in that pursuit. I mean, you didn't even mention viruses and bacteria and plants, and but the, everything you just said about long reads, uh, it applies uh, yes. to our, our knowledge about all of these different species on Earth. Yeah, you give that, it better. You, you give it better underlying information that you feed into the sequencer. You, you should be able to get a highly accurate, reliable result. That's you. You couldn't have said it better, Luke. And and one of the things that. You know, I didn't even talk about, you're right, we are helping to fight the pandemic as well. Uh, we have a new COVID surveillance kit coming out. Today, our technology is used by companies like LabCorp, understanding new variants uh, because our technology is highly accurate and gives, gives them economic advantages. But we also have new kitted solutions coming out very soon here that will help um, help our technology get into the into the distributed smaller public health labs so that not only can we surveil against COVID, but really looking at future viruses and uh, you know future pathogens down the road. So you're right, it's, it is a broad set of markets we can go after. Uh, it's a super exciting time to be part of uh, PacBio because we're really at the beginning of, we've had a remarkable transformation over the last year, but the reality is we've just set the stage for the next several years of fast growth and, um, and, and, and a lot of fun. I mean, this is a lot of fun. Really fascinating stuff. Christian Henry, thanks so much for joining me today on The Long Run. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Long Run, a production of Timmerman Report. Pedro Rosado of Headstepper Media was the sound editor. Music is from D.A. Wallach. See you next episode.